Amen. Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Hebrews, chapter 10. Now, we realize the book of Hebrews is uh, doctrinally pertains to uh, the church during the tribulation. Uh, Israel will be gone, praise the Lord, will already be in heaven. But there's some very important principles that we have here uh, when we think about uh, signs. Now, the Bible says that an evil generation seeketh a sign, but there are certain things that God makes evident that He wants us to recognize that something is coming. All right, so we've been talking about the rapture a few weeks in Sunday school. This kind of relates to that. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19, and we're going to read responsively through verse 25. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19, shall we stand please for the reading of God's Word? That'll help you stay up a little longer. We'll stand up one more time before we sit down. All right, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with the true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching." So there are certain things we're supposed to do as we see this day approaching. We know it's coming. It's getting closer and closer. Uh, we are to redeem the time for the days are evil. So as we see this day approaching, God tells us there's certain things we ought to emphasize. So I want to continue what we talked about this morning. What can we do to make a difference? How can we prepare for what is uh, soon coming. Well, as we see this day approaching, God tells us there's certain things. So this will be more uh, expository in nature, verse by verse, exposing uh, the passage. Uh, but this is very, very important. These are the things we ought to emphasize in our life. So some people major on the minor, they minor on the major, so to speak. Jesus said they strain at a gnat, they swallow a camel. Well, this is what we ought to be doing right here. We're looking for that last trump. I mean, is, is it barren? Barren trump? No, I don't know. All right, let's pray. Father, we pray that you bless the message, and we yield your spirit. We need your help to preach and hear the word. We realize that uh, the flesh is weak, uh, spirit is willing, and we are but vessels, uh, a voice crying out. We pray that the Word would not return void, that it would fulfill your purpose as the line stretches. We pray for uh, a work in our hearts uh, that we would be aware, conscious of the rapture, the second coming, and that we would have a good understanding 
of the meaning and the purpose of life. And as the fascinator, the dragon, tries to distract us and to get us uh, to have misplaced priorities, we ask that we would stay true, stay focused. As we see this day approaching, help us to do the right things. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. You know, think about this. What if, what if a million years from now into eternity and worlds to come, you look back and remember, man, I, did, I got raptured. <laughs> you know, it's, we think it's, we talk about it. Just think about what if it was to happen um, right now. So with the new year, <clears throat> 2024 is already upon us. We think about most people have already broken their New Year's resolution. They've already eaten a second Lay's potato chip or a second pa pan of brownies. Um, they, they've, it's weak. You know, it's very tempting out there. They've already had their first six-pack of Cokes and their uh, Big Red. Uh, it was just too much to resist. But when we think of, we've been talking about this in uh, GN, very simple. There's three aspects of life, the past, the present, the future. The past is gone. <clears throat> we are to forget the past, press on. But the past, we are to reflect and remember the rock from which we are hewn and the pit from which we are digged reflect on what happened in the previous year and in the past in our life. But as we do that, don't bring the past into your present to haunt and destroy your future. So now we have the present, the here and now. The only thing we have is volition. We can choose wisely in the experience of the present. But every second that ticks, the present becomes the past. So all we have is this exact real time. And then the third part of life is the future, that which is coming. So we have planning, anticipation, things we are know that are coming in the future, maybe near future, maybe the distant future. So in our human consciousness, we have certain parts of our awareness that pertain to these things, the past, the present, and the future. So we looked at this Friday night. If you're going to be a wise person and have a perfect mind, and that word perfect does not mean sinless or flawless. It means complete and uh, mature. That's what the word means. We're going to have to deal with the past to have a good present so that we can have a good future for God. But most people, they don't do this. So they'll live in the past. They get caught up in the past. They keep talking about the past. Or they'll only live for the here and now. All they care about is the pleasure of the moment but then you have other people, they live in a fantasy world that probably will never become reality. 
they're always dreaming about something um, in the future. I, I remember my grandmother, if I have the age right, I think she was 96. I could be wrong on that. I don't know if it's 86. Boy, my mind fails me. But uh, we were there, and uh, one of the granddaughters, they were going through her dresser. They said, oh, Grandma, here's your new pajamas. You haven't worn them yet. And she goes, well, I'm saving those. You know, and, and she was like 86, 96. And they said, well, what are you saving for, for Grandma? You're, you're that old. Why don't you live a little? Uh, she's still planning for something. I don't know if she ever wore them, by the way. I don't think she ever did. Um, you know, why don't you go home tonight and wear your new clothes, whatever. The, I don't know what that means. You know, uh, there's a live a little. Um, quit worrying about things that may never happen. Most of the things we worry about never come to pass. So, very important when we think about it. What did Christ tell Israel? He said, you can see the skies red and lowering. You know a storm's coming. But you cannot discern the times that you're living in now. You can see what's going to happen in the future, possibly. You lack spiritual discernment for the present tense. So, most nightmares be never become real, could it? Some people live a dream of a nightmare that's a loop that never ends, that ruins their present, and they have no future. Now, as far as the text is concerned, as I mentioned earlier, Jesus said, an evil and perverse generation seeketh after a sign. You're not supposed to be uh, charismatic and always looking at these things like Gideon and putting out a fleece, and if it's wet and the, dry, the ground's dry, or vice versa. In the last days, God has spoken unto us, how? By His Son. Not by dreams, not by audible voices. Though I think sometimes, if you know God, He can... He can reveal things to you in many different ways, but it always coincides with the written Word of God, never contradicts. But He does give us uh, signs of things that are to tell us something is about to happen. Something is in the future. It is imminent, and we should see as we see this day approaching, as it talks about in Hebrews 10, there are things in prophecy, there are things in uh, the happenings of current events, political situations, all these things that are happening before us, this ought to move us and behoove us to get our priorities right. Now, there's only so many things you can do. There's only so many hours in a day, so to speak. What will we do with that time? How will we have good success? What will be the things we focus on? Because after the everyday rut, you know, we're going to get up. Hopefully you have some personal hygiene. You take care of your body. You get dressed. You might have to get ready for school or get a, a lunch ready, whatever it is, plan 
uh, if you're a homeschooler, all these things that are going on. But then what's going to happen? You're going to go to work. You're going to come home. You're going to eat. You're going to do it again over and over and over. Now, as we do this, there ought to be a spiritual unction and a spiritual discernment. And there ought to be some uh, things that motivate us and move upon us because of why there's something about to happen. Something big is about to happen. And so this day which is approaching. Now, we, we talked about this also recently in Sunday school. It's been a while. But this correlates to the day of the Lord. So you have the day of the Lord, the day of Christ, and it's called that great day. And also you have the rapture that precedes it by at least seven years. So you, th you say, well, wait a minute, that doesn't apply to us. Well, it does spiritually. So the, the old saying, it's a great illustration. How do you know Thanksgiving is coming up? You're going to start seeing some Halloween decorations, right? How do you know that Christmas is soon on the, the ride? You're going to start seeing some Thanksgiving decorations. One precedes the other that is to prepare you for the next. And then so uh, some people are good Christmas shoppers. They're very alert and aware and they do it all year long. And so they have everything ready. There's no stress or pressure. Then other people, they knew Halloween was there. Trick or treat. They knew Thanksgiving was there. They had and they knew Christmas was coming. And it's like three days before Christmas. And they're like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And, you know, and I, I like to procrastinate sometimes, put it off and put it off and put it off. And that's human nature. But what are we supposed to do as we see the day approaching? There are certain things we are to do to plan and prepare for the day approaching. You hear all these things all the time. Uh, do you have any death benefit, life insurance? You know, you hear these stories, how much a funeral costs. You need to get, you need to prepare and uh, you don't want, excuse me, your family to go through what this other family went through. If you see the day approaching, you've got time to get ready. And so many people, they're planning for a vacation. They're planning for a graduation. They're planning for um, a ceremony of some sort. They're planning for a trip. They're planning for the playoffs or whatever it is. A big family get-together in the near future. How many people, though, are seeing there's a day coming and they've got plenty of time. They've had their actually their whole life to get ready. And they put it off and they put it off and they procrastinate. And that's why, uh, you know, what is Uvalde called? Tree City? Yeah, well, they ought to rename it Manonaville. 
because, you know, the, the spirit is, I'll do it tomorrow. Then tomorrow comes, oh, I got time. I'll do it tomorrow. Then tomorrow comes, I'll do it manana. And they just put it off and put it. They know things are coming. They know they've got to prepare. They know they have to get ready. You know, when, when you get that uh, letter from uh, the, the county department of public transportation and your registrations due, you know, you know there's a day coming when if you don't do it and you drive, you're illegal. The day is approaching. Uh, what are you supposed to do? You got to go get your car inspected. It's required. And then go get get your car registered. You got to get that sticker on the front windshield or you're not legal. But how many people they see the day approaching? They're supposed to take action. They don't do it. They don't prepare. Now, biblically, God would never leave his people in the dark. It says in 1 Thessalonians that we are the children of light. We are not to be caught as a thief in the dark coming in the middle of the night unawares. We ought to know these things. We realize these things. And so when you think about the, the, the text here and the context is for Israel and as it relates to the Old Testament worship in the tabernacle, in the temple, which were rituals, feasts, holy days, animal sacrifices, new moons, these types of things, which Hebrews says were a shadow of good things to come. So these were to remind Israel that there is one true sacrifice that all those other sacrifices were to point to because there's, it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Now on this side, we're looking back, realizing all those things that Israel went through, it literally happened, is supposed to teach us a spiritual truth about who Christ is and what He did for us. And it plainly says, He entered into the veil and the veil was rent from the top to the bottom. The way into the holiest was made available for all. And that veil was what? His flesh. So when His blood was shed and His body was broken, it pleased the Father and He was the propitiation for sin and now we can all find boldness to come to the throne of grace to find help in the time of need. Think about what they went through. You know, there was a holy oblation around the tabernacle. There was the court of the Gentiles, which is further out. There was the court of the women that was a little closer in. Then you had the outer court where you had the brazen labor and the brazen altar where the sacrifices were made. There was horns that typified the animal once it was sacrificed. It was permanent. It was on the altar. It was a complete sacrifice. And then you had the brazen labor, which was to teach the priest that this is a dirty world and you have to 
What are we supposed to learn from that? You need to regularly examine and confess your sin and turn from it and repent in your heart. This was the polished laver, the basin, which they would look and see their own image, and then they would wash themselves, wash their feet on a regular basis. But then beyond that, was the holy place. There you had the table of showbread and the golden candlestick and the altar of incense, which was just before this veil that Hebrews 10 is talking about. And so beyond that veil was the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat and the cherubim guarding the holy of holies in which back then, only one day a year on the Day of Atonement, it was the tenth day of the seventh month, I believe, that the high priest alone would go in, make atonement, and, and uh, sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat for the sins of the priest and the people and the whole nation of Israel. And it was basically to prepare the holy place and all of the ministry in the Levitical priesthood for the new year to come. So we, we talked about that today, the month of Abib, the trumpet would be sounded, one of the uh, silver trumpets, to remind Israel, this is the start of the new year. And we need the high priest. So what did Jesus do? The true high priest offered himself for a sacrifice. That veil was his flesh. And what does it say? It is a new, praise the Lord, and a living way. So what are we to do? Offer spiritual sacrifices. We've talked about that. Sacrifice of uh, praise. Sacrifice of thanksgiving. Giving our body as a living sacrifice. Many things which we can offer. And it says we are lively stones. We are the house of God, the temple of God, because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit came. Now He resides in your body. So His body was broken. His blood was shed. The veil was rent from the top to the bottom. The Father turned His back on Him at high noon, and He cried out, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? And all of this that happened, now you think about this, from the beginning of the establishment on Mount Sinai when Moses was given the law, the establishment of the law, the writing of the law, the enforcement of the law in the Levitical priesthood, and then Jesus Christ as our high priest. All these things were a shadow of things to come. It was something that was a sign leading to the main thing. What was the main thing? There is a day approaching, and God is going to take back that which rightfully belongs to Him. When you look at the first seal being open, and I want to talk about this in detail sometime, when the Antichrist is revealed, he doesn't have a sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. He is an imitation he is carrying a bow, and uh, the, there's a lot of things we can say about that bow. Uh, was it a bow and arrow, or was it a rainbow? 
what was he carrying? Very, very important. Now, at first when we got saved, you know, I would think, I know Jesus is coming back. I know the rapture is imminent. I always was taught and believed in a premillennial doctrine that the rapture would precede the tribulation and the revealing of the Antichrist. I pretty much always understood that he that now letteth will let, and the Antichrist cannot be revealed until he's taken out of the way. And a lot of people say, well, that's Michael the archangel. Well, um, an angel cannot stop sin. Only God can stop sin. And the Holy Spirit is the third person, the Godhead, in the New Testament believer, present on the earth during the dispensation of grace, the church age. Only the Holy Spirit can stop the Antichrist, literally that man of sin. But we know the mystery of iniquity doth already work. That spiritual immorality, adultery, it is already very prevalent, and it has been for the last 2,000 years as we are in the last days. Now, as time passes, our lifetime is passing. The different eras of life, decades, you know, think about it. Where did that... You know, I, I remember in 1988, there was a false prophecy. Some of you don't remember that. Some of you weren't born yet. 1988, big nation, international prophecy that the rapture was going to be on uh, Rosh Hashanah, the day of trumpets. And all the Bible theologians studied it. And of course, uh, when it was given, they, they even made a book about it and printed it and gave it to churches and mailed it all out all throughout America. I, re I remember that. We knew it was a false doctrine. And here we have, what, almost, uh, what, 30-something years have passed. And th the same thing is happening, as it says in Peter. Uh, the scoffers have said from the beginning of time, where is the promise of His coming? Things have continued as they were from the beginning. But we see a day approaching. We see it. You know what the devil wants us to do? Get distracted. Don't prepare. Think on something else. Dwell on Get your priorities in the wrong place. Emphasize your family, emphasize your marriage, emphasize your career, build your financial wealth. You hear all these things. You need to prepare for retirement. No, you don't. You need to prepare. Jesus is coming. No, you better prepare for your retirement. I take that back. But that's not your first priority. Have you got your social security statement in lately of all that wealth you're going to get to live on when you paid into it? Man, it's encouraging. <laughs> I saw mine. Well, what? I can't live off this. this uh, you know, you got to prepare. Uh, you know, and when you're young, you think, well, I don't have to get I'm young. I can go to work. Well, someday your body's not going to be so strong. You're going to have to live off something. So uh, you ought to prepare but that's not top priority. 
well, I'm just going to prepare for, you know, we want to buy a new home and I'm saving. And I want, you know, that's important, but that's not top priority. Now, we are given all these prophecies plainly says that there would be a falling away. We've seen that. We know there's a fall. We don't have to look forward to the falling away. It's been happening for decades. When I got saved, there was the Rhema Fellowship. So you had the Logos, the written word, the Rhema. I think it's the living word. And, and I and there, there was a, a woman preacher. You know, this stuff's been going on for 40, 50, 60 years. We see the day is approaching. How many backsliders are out there in the world, names the name of Christ, saved, but they're not living according to what God told us. We see this day approaching. Men are liars. Men don't keep their word. Men are truce breakers. Perilous times have come. Men are lovers of their own self. There's not natural affection. People don't even love their own kids, a lot of them like they're supposed to. They don't love their own grandma. There's not much natural affection out there. I know if you're saved, you know, there's exceptions to the rule. I'm talking about generally speaking with the public. I talked to a grandma recently down in Portland, and her granddaughters turned on her. Her granddaughters. And uh, just cruelly mistreated her. Their, their elderly grandma that you're supposed to honor and respect. This is go people. This is going on all the time, all around us. No natural affection. Secular humanism is not just on the rise. It has taken over. Uh, evolution. Man is the highest animal. Um, AI artificial intelligence, all these things which are very, very evident before our very eyes. Abortion is promoted. Um, the rainbow people, it's right in front of your face, and they're angry, and they're pushing it right on. I mean, it's right all there. The, the aliens... Um, the, the cyborgs, a human robot. You know, I, I saw a deal where uh, they were trying to force a robot on a guy. And he goes, I don't want some robot around my wife. What are y'all doing to me? You know, it's, it's already, I think it's in Norway or Denmark or the Netherlands, where they have to have an embedded chip in their right forehand and they can't get to work without it. And, and it's just like a... A dog that's been, uh, my mind's found fixed, or a cat, or been, you know, they embed these little chips or things like that, and they, they go to work. If they don't have it, the door won't open. They go to their desk, the computer will not open unless they touch that chip to a little reader, and then their uh, desktop comes uh, up and they can start going to work. We know these things. We see these things which are very evident. The most popular preachers are self-help preachers. 
Not that you are a sinner and only God can help you. They promote you can feel better about yourself and everything they do is about patting sinners on the back so they'll feel better about themselves. I like what Brother Howe said. He said, our job is to comfort the afflicted or afflict the comforted. You know, which, whichever fits. Uh, that's what we're supposed to do. Who would have thought that socialism, Marxism, communist is upon us? I mean, you say, no, no, it's here. They're pushing it. They believe in it. And uh, I saw a, a, a documentary heading recently, and we have missionaries in Japan about all the persecution of Christians over in Asia. It's in Africa. It's in Europe. And uh, it's in America. Uh, it's before us. We see there's a day approaching. And so for the true people of God, born-again believers, it's not as far off as it used to be. When I was younger, eh, I know it's coming, but man, you know, it's, it seems so far away. No, it's not. No, it's not. Um, it's before us. So, you know, that driver's license renewal, you know, I have to get mine done this coming. Uh, hope I pass. Um, it's approaching. You need to make your hotel reservations, your flight reservations, arrangements for a vacation trip. Oh, yeah, we see that coming. So as we see the second coming, the rapture, we see it coming. You know, let's just look what this says here and let's review some things. So first of all, look at verse 20. Well, let's start in verse 19 of Hebrews 10. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God. Now what's the first thing we're supposed to do? Let us draw near with the true heart in full assurance of faith, having our, our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What are we supposed to be doing? Drawing near to God. That's, that's the most important thing. It says in James, draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. You're not supposed to run from God. You're not supposed to stay home and lay out and drift and go astray out in the world. You're supposed to more than ever draw near. How many people are doing the exact opposite? You know, I've heard, and I've had people, many people tell me this through the years. You know, I say, well, why haven't you been coming to church? They said, well, I've been real discouraged. Have you heard of that? The, the thing you're supposed to do is draw near to God, but you're doing the exact opposite of what you're supposed to be doing. That's why it talks about here. You need to apply the blood so your conscience is cleansed, so you feel loved and accepted, and you, are, you fit in. You, you are accepted in the beloved. I've had people say, well, I haven't been living right. 
Well, the very thing you're supposed to do is draw near when you're not living right. What do they do? Stay away. Go on a trip. Now, yeah, some of them take a permanent trip. You know, some of them think, yeah, I'm just going to backslide for a while. Well, you may never come back. You're supposed to draw near. Draw near. Now, we all make mistakes. We all sin. Sometimes we don't feel good emotionally. Sometimes things don't go well. But if you keep this principle in your life, no matter what happens, no matter what I do, no matter what somebody else does to me, no matter how I feel, I see a day approaching. I want to get that crown of rejoicing to love His appearance. I want to draw near. I want to know. I want to. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, isn't it sad? So many people, they don't draw near. You know the old saying, God holds His hands out. He says, come home. Won't you come home? And people turn their back on God. They start walking away from God. You make God mad. He'll turn His back on you and he'll walk the opposite way. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. You know why that happened? He was drawing near. Oh, to be like thee. We say, oh, to be like thee. We're supposed to draw near. So I'm just covering these quickly. Look at verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith, without wavering, for He is faithful, that promise. Now, there's many places in the Bible that says, that which thou hast, hold fast till I come. Now, we all want to grow. We all want to mature. We want to have more faith, more conviction. We want to serve God more. But what is He saying here? Whatever you have at this time in your life, don't compromise what you already have attained. Don't sell the truth of what you've already bought. Hold fast. You know, the old saying, it may be our four no more, but I'm not changing. By the grace of God, I'm going to hold fast. All out there in the world, they're, they're changing. They're going whichever way the wind blows. They've got itchy ears and they've got a they want a back-scratching, ear-tickling preacher like Brother Hiles used to say. They're, they're just sellouts. What are we supposed to do? I'm not changing. Now, it may seem a little bit rude, but you know, every one of us ought to say, I respect you, but I'm not changing for you. I love you, but you're not changing me. I see a day approaching. I have to face God, at the judgment, I'm going to draw near. I want to hold fast. How many people used to do that and used to do that and used to believe that and used to? No, hold fast. Keep doing what you've been doing for God. Next thing, look at verse 24. And boy, this is important. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. The Bible tells us that when, once you're saved in the body of Christ, you are to consider 
other Christians. You are to esteem them more highly than yourself. You are to prefer them above yourself. And you are to be long-suffering. And if you have to, you even have to forbear. Put up with them. You know, there's some people that are not very likable, and you just have to put up with them. Where There's a lot of, man, you're leaving me up here all alone. Uh, you know, you know the ones you're talking about. Um, what are you supposed to do? Consider, you know, think about whatever you do. Did that encourage somebody or discourage them? Whatever you do, did that strengthen them or weaken somebody else? Whatever you do, did you put them before you or did you put yourself first? Whatever it is. If the, if the members of this church would start considering one another, first of all, the whole place would be packed. Because do you think I get encouraged when people don't show up? It sure doesn't encourage me. I try not to let it discourage me. But, but you know, think about, well, where's so-and-so? They didn't care about you. They cared about them. That's the bottom line. They only care about themselves. And you know what they're saying? I'm ignoring the day that's approaching. Because if you really cared, you'd consider what other people... You know, if I dress this way, am I considering them? Or if I did this, you know, I know all things are expedient, not all things are lawful. You get saved by grace through faith. Uh, you don't keep the law to be saved. We know all that. But there's certain things we have to do to set a good example, to have a good testimony. But how many people really consider what other people would do about that? Would this hurt their feelings? Would this be a bad example? Would this be a bad testimony? If we would see the day approaching, you know what you're going to do? Draw near to God. You know what you're going to do? Hold fast what you've already learned and you're serving God and you're standing. Also, you'll lose your selfishness and start to consider other people. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. All right, so then, verse 25. Hard to preach this one to the people who are here tonight. Verse 25. Boy, my dad, he'd quote this one all the time. He loved it. I've had this memorized for 40 years. Um, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Now, there's so many people out there who have drunk the Kool-Aid, so to speak. They took the bait. They are totally deceived. They think that church is not important. And I'm not telling you this because I'm the pastor and I would like for everybody to show, but well, I would like that. But that's, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. They think it's no big deal if I don't assemble. And the Bible says God hates dissemblers, those who split and divide, and, and uh, He hates those that sow discord among the brethren. But there's a lot of people out there that just don't think it's that important. I can go to church at, in my house. No, you can't. 
I can go to church at Garner State Park. No, you can't. I can go to church. You know, a lot of people go to church watching the Internet, and that's not church. Now, I know sometimes you're sick, you can't do it, and it's a good thing to have. You can get all kinds of information. But the assembly of the saints, ecclesia, church, called out assembly, is crucial to your spiritual and walk with God, your testimony. But not only that, and, and we're almost through, and we've said this before, but this is very important. The New Testament church, the assembly on the Lord's day, is a prefigure of the rapture because the rapture is a called out assembly. So we're going to get called, all those who assemble, to meet the Lord in the air, just as if God called us out of the world to be separate, to be like Christ. And one of the ways we show that is everybody who believes that assembles together. That's what this is. You know, I, I love what the psalmist said. I think it was the psalmist. I will not assemble with the wicked. I'm not going to go to a group meeting with a bunch of sinners. I'm not going to assemble with them. I will assemble with God's people in God's house uh, like the Bible teaches. So I've heard some wild ones before. You know, I'm washing clothes. That's a good one. Uh, another one is, uh, I have to give my kids a bath. Really? You're so considerate of other Christians who are sacrificing. Uh, do you believe it or not? Um, we are to provoke one another into love and good work. And what does it say? So much the more as we see the day approaching. Now, when we sing the songs, and I'm almost through, Think about the words, I say it all the time, and your job, one of them is to praise God, number one. Number two, break forth, have a spiritual, powerful breaking forth in the church service and in your own life and your family and your ministry. But also, you're supposed to be provoking other people in the church to do what the song says. That's work for the night is coming. You know, work, work for the night is coming when man's work is o'er. No, work, work for the night is coming. And when you look over to say, work for the night is coming. We're supposed to be provoking one another. Hey, get right and stay right. Amen. You know why? A day is coming. So as we see the day approaching, Man, it's getting closer and closer and closer. My grandparents are gone. I've got one aunt left. My parents are gone. There's a day coming. Uh, America, we are a sinking ship and we're bailing water. That's what we are. And righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Be salty, let your light shine. What does that mean? Hold fast, hold fast. Love one another. 
draw near and forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some. Nobody that ever forsook the assembly, it never has or will turn out right. It's impossible. So as we see the day approaching, boy, what should we be focusing on? Our job, we, you know what I mean, priorities, not the top. Your relationships, not top. Your career, no. You're supposed to be doing these things. Why? There's a day coming. We have time to prepare. We see it coming. Will we have the wisdom? And this is a part of a seeking the Lord early while he may be found. All right, let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and we're going to have an invitation.